The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. If it's the weekend, it's time to have fun with your pet. But when it comes to technology, apps, and what's hot, you don't want to waste money or waste your or your pet's time. Welcome to Pet Lover Geek with Lorian Clemens. In today's show, Lorian and her guests will keep you in the know to keep your pet happy as well as you and your family. Now here's your host, Lorian Clemens. Welcome to Pet Lover Geek. Happy Saturday, everyone. I'm your host, Lorian Clemens, and I am so happy to have your company for the next hour. Today, we're going to sniff around the subject of lost pets. This is something that means a lot to me. I work very hard. I have for the last seven years at working to help lost pets get home. And today, we're going to dig into two existing identification technologies that are key to helping lost pets get home quickly. But we're also going to talk to an expert a little bit later about how to use social media to find your pet. For our first segment, though, it's all about digital ID tags. And joining us today in the studio is my favorite geek on the planet, Mr. Tom Arnold. And no, he's not the Tom Arnold that you may have seen in the (laughs) movies or on Fox Sports News. But Tom is, in fact, the founder and CEO of Pet Hub, a leading force in the pet identification sector. Welcome. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, Lorraine. Thanks so much for having me on your show. Absolutely. So I know that uh, you've you've been uh, in the tech seg- segment for a long time, uh, right More out of than college. I care to admit. <laughs> yeah, we won't talk about age right now. <laughs> um, but uh, I know you were at Microsoft for a long time, right? I was. I was there for six years and then um, at some other Paul Allen companies, but definitely doing the software geeky thing professionally for the last 26 years. What? I thought we were going to talk about geeky. And, <laughs> and then geeky even through my high school and junior high but yeah full-fledged full-fledged geek and uh and a f- lifetime pet owner correct that is right cats awesome. and dogs fantastic awesome so i had a guinea pig at one point too ooh, i had a guinea pig too what was your <laughs> guinea pig's name charlie brown oh cool my, i can't even remember mine that's how oh wow that's, that's awful that's awful it is terrible bad pet parent moment okay <laughs> so anyway um Tom, so why did you leave Microsoft? I mean, come on, Microsoft, that's a great gig. Why do Oh, it was great. It was in uh, 2009. Um, I, was, I was really enjoying it. It was a great company. I love the people I was working with. As a matter of fact, if anybody uses Office 365, I was on that team um, before it was called Office 365. Um, but it really hit me um, that at this stage of my life, here I'd been is in my late 30s, and I was trying to figure out what am I doing that's making a difference in this world? And uh, I love software. I love animals. And I was like, what can I do where I can actually combine those two, bring that together and actually make some kind of difference? So what was the inspiration for what you actually created with Pet Hub, which, which now everybody knows of as it's, it's you know, the QR code uh, ID tag. But right. well, how did it start? What was your inspiration? Well, I actually... Um, 
it was kind of a culmination of a couple of things. Um, one, I was on a trip to India that was supposed to be a month long. It was for a Microsoft project in Hyderabad. And incredible trip. And they said, hey, can you stay for an extra two months? And I'm a traveler, so I was like, heck yeah. Um, but I was um, trying to figure out how to hand off uh, caretaking of my animals between different people because suddenly my schedule just you know extended. And... I was wondering if there was a service out there that had one place, a hub of sorts, where I could store all this data about my animals and then hand it off as I handed off caretakers so they could see the notes from the previous caretaker and things like that. And so that that um, was kind of what started the, the planted the seed in my head. And then I actually had a cat went missing for me and I was uh, panicked because I was like, do I have a current photo of this animal? And, you know, this was actually, I don't want to say this animal, Taz, her, her name is Taz. Um, and my, my cat was just, you know, she shot out the door one day because something startled her. And I was panicked because I, I didn't have a current photo. I wanted to go hang posters around the neighborhood and all that kind of stuff. And so... It made me realize that if I'd had all that data in one place, that would have made a huge difference in that panicked moment. Right. So, and then, um, so it started off as a, a hub for all the pets' information to be in one place. So it was easy to, to get to if, if right. you got in a crisis situation like what you experienced. But then it turned into a digital ID tag that linked to that that profile. How did that, how did you get that idea? Well, I was, I was actually, um, uh, at an event, um, and I saw QR codes for the first time in late 2009, early 2010, and I was thinking, you know, first of all, oh, it's linking to information on a website or, you know, what have you, and I was like, oh my gosh, that could go on to an ID tag and point to a profile for a pet, and then the person could make changes to that profile, and the tag doesn't change, but the data is always up to date, mm-hmm. and I don't know what it was. It was just seeing that it's just planets aligned in my head for some reason and I started shopping it around to some idea to people and people thought it was great and I looked to see if anybody else was doing it and nobody was doing it so I quickly filed some patents in 2010 for it and um, I actually put it out there as a trial I thought okay over the next you know month I'm going to try and sell a couple thousand of these things and we actually sold 3,000 tags in three days because it went viral and then my Girlfriend and I sat there watching TV, stuffing envelopes for the next week, <laughs> trying to get 3,000 of these tags out to people. And it just, so the rest is history. You have an awesome girlfriend. Then. She's pretty, pretty incredible. <laughs> so, okay, I got a couple questions about that. So, so, so now you've got people that are putting their data on the internet right. to, to link to this profile. And, you know, um, and I don't know what it was like just like, what, six or seven years ago when you started this, but I know now at least people get really freaky yeah. about putting information out, uh, personal inner information on the interwebs, right. you know, right. so, <laughs> and, and identity theft, yeah. that's a real thing. That's a real fear. So how do you guys combat that? It's a very real thing and a very scary thing. Um, well, Microsoft beats it into your head. Uh, they call it PII, personally identifiable information. And they, they make it clear that it is super critical that uh, you are, um, you know, protecting people's data because that's that's a, a sacred trust. Um, not to sound silly, but truly, it's a trust that they're putting into you. So we actually um, have gone through and uh, made sure that we're using the latest cipher suites, is what they call it, for doing all the encryption. Uh, the minute you land on PetUp.com, it immediately flips over into HTTPS. That's where you see that cute little padlock on mm-hmm. the address bar. 
And we're also doing what's called PCI DSS compliance. So it's actually going through a stringent set of criteria to ensure that not only is your data on the internet secure, but in your physical uh, premises that everything is secure. We have locks, we have cameras on our offices, things like that. And we're actually running our service not on our own servers at our location, but on Amazon Web Services in the cloud, which is one of the most secure um, uh, cloud service companies out there. But what if people still like, I mean, like, I, you know, there's the creepy guy at the dog park thing. I don't want somebody to go up to my dog's tag and right. scan it and go, oh, hey, Lorian. Oh, no, hey, there's your phone number. Right. I, you know, that kind of freaks me out. I mean, it's one thing, I guess, if my pet is really missing, I'm probably going to want, you know, here's my social security number, here's my home address. But it's still in all, that seems like still a lot of information that's accessible through this tag. So how do you, how do you uh, help people work through that? Great question. So um, the other thing we do is when somebody scans the tag, it's only showing the information you've chosen to have shown. Um, and you can turn that on and off as much as you want. So if you want, you could have it where if somebody scans the tag and your dog is in your safe care and all that stuff, it only shows their photo and mm-hmm. maybe their name. But the minute they go missing, you can jump on the site and say, show my phone number, show my spouse's phone number, show my kid's phone number, show all these different phone numbers and do all these email alerts when that tag is scanned and somebody's found and their medical data and all that stuff. And then when they're back to you, you can turn that all back off if you want to. And the important part is, is that the minute that that is even sent, uh, it's, it's sent encrypted from start to finish. So, so you just mentioned email. So, email notices. That's another tech that then you have connected to the tag. Are there other technology things that are are part of this tag? Is it? Um, well, we're geeks, so we're always you know playing with it. Um, one of the other things we did was we built a database of shelters. There's about thirteen thousand of them, and so far it's kind of like an Amber Alert for pets. Um, so we uh, we let you take all that data that you've created. And then now you can, if your animal goes missing, you can say, show all the shelters in a 50-mile radius. Oh, wow. And then you select which ones you want to send it to, and you can send your pet's profile. It's like Amber Alert. Exactly, Amber Alert for pets. And it sends it out to all the shelters, and when they click on it, they see all the information you've chosen to share. And because you can keep updating, like, oh, I forgot to make this one update, you can do an update, and the, when they click on it, they're going to see the latest information about your animal. And uh, the tag's got GPS, too. How does that work? I mean, it doesn't have a battery on it, so... Right. Well, actually, we purposely stayed away from that because of that reason. We have it where, you know, you see some of these cool GPS collars out there, but they'll last, you know, seven days or less on that. Um, So what we actually do is, since we're all walking around with what is essentially a GPS in our pocket uh, called a smartphone, what we do is when somebody scans that tag... Uh, we actually will pull the GPS off that phone and any GPS we're able to pull from that person's phone who found your pet will send you a Google map. And uh, you can click on that map and it'll show you from where you are to where they are. You can see how to walk to them, how to drive to them, how to take a bus to them if you want to. That kind of thing. Oh, awesome! So I, I have I have a I have a lot of extra questions, and I'm going to ask you to. Sorry, I talk a lot. No, it's cool. <laughs> it's great. It's great. Um, so one of the things that I think um, is uh, kind of frustrating for for people, and we can we can talk about this a little bit later, is is that it seems like you know there are so many solutions out there, and so you probably got some people saying, look, I, I've had a my tag on a dog with my phone number on it for years, and it's been fine. Why do I need to go digital? Right. Um, 
you know, you don't, you don't have to do anything. I mean, if the, what's important is getting a tag on the dog with your current phone number. What we've found a lot of times is people forget to update that phone number or they're out of town traveling and the phone number that gets called, they're not answering it because either they're out of town or they don't recognize the person who's calling their phone number. So that's kind of the whole reason behind this is we show multiple phone numbers so that, and and not only that, if somebody doesn't scan the tag um, and they call into our 24 by 7 call center, our call center will call down the list of all the phone numbers in your pet's profile. And then they will bridge the phone call from the person who found your animal to the person on your pet's safety list who answered the call. Uh, so the, Yeah, and I know that. There's also a phone number on the tag. So there, there's a QR code. We have a QR code, um, a toll-free phone number, and a printed web address. Got it, got it. And QR, for those of you who don't know, stands for? Quick response. Quick response. And you and you have to have this an app. It's so appropriate. I know. Yeah, it is. It fits perfectly with getting lost quick. pets home. And, and, and they have to have an app on their phone to do that? Yeah, it's not our app. There's hundreds of these things out there. You can buy, uh, or not buy, you can download from the Apple or the Android store um, or even the Microsoft uh, app store any of these QR code readers, and it'll read it and... So no special app is required. Oh, awesome. Cool. Hey, Tom, I'm going to ask you to stick around, if you would, for a little while. There's a lot of stuff I want. I know that you've got your finger on the pulse of the pet identification uh, revolution (laughs) and changing the way people think about pet identification. And I'd love for you to stick around so we can continue to chat about it. And uh, I'm just as a reminder, you are listening to Pet Lover Geek. You can find out more about us online at www.petlovergeek.com. We are looking forward to talking with you more this morning. We'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Conservation starts with us. Learn about environmental concerns each week when you tune in to Our Wild World with host Ellie Weiss. Our show centers on Africa each week and what's being done to save our wildlife, ecology, and ourselves. However, we'll also discuss what's going on closer to home. And most importantly, we'll let you know what can be done in our own backyards by featuring guest experts and featuring your questions and answers. Listen every Monday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. A wave of change is happening in our world now. A new feminine way of leadership is emerging. Yet this is not about women taking over. This rise of the feminine is helping men too. Join host Gina Lazenby, award-winning businesswoman, best-selling author, and speaker on feminine wisdom as she reports on the rise of the feminine with inspiring stories of women who are coming into their own and finding their unique purpose. Tune in and join this conversation in the rise of the feminine each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. 
stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is Pet Lover Geek with Lorian Clemens. If you'd like to connect with the show today, please call us at 1 866 472 5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. Feeling shy? You can also send an email to PetLoverGeek at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. Thanks for coming back. So today we're talking about lost pet prevention and lost pet recovery and using technology to help your lost pets get home. Now, we just uh, talked with Tom Arnold, who has offered to stay with us and keep chatting with us about digital ID tags, but we're going to shift gears here a little bit and go from external to internal uh, and talk about a technology that a lot of people know about, but frankly, there's a lot of uh, a mystery around them um, and some misconceptions around microchips. So, uh, though a lot of pet parents are familiar with microchips, usually because when they went to adopt their first pet uh, or, or took their dog to the cat or their cat to the vet, the veterinarian recommended that they get a microchip so a lot of them know about it um but in case you're not familiar or in case you're not really sure what that thing is inside your pet uh, let me tell you a little bit about them so microchips are very small electronic chips and the chip that's inside of it or or what's inside of the microchip is an rfid chip rfid stands for radio frequency identification it's a type of silicone chip um, that's used and it's kind of like a UPC barcode that's on the, a box of cereal at the stores that has a price and a product name connected to it. So these RFID chips are basically smart, teeny tiny barcodes that hold a piece of unique information. So when that uh, microchip is getting scanned, it's picking up that information. And this this uh, RFID chip, by the way, is tiny. It's like a little cube of, of sea salt, uh, tiny kind of a thing. But... It's encased in a biocompatible tube. And there's other stuff that's in there with that microchip because uh, microchip by itself is not going to do anything. It's just kind of sitting there. So it also has a tuning capacitor in that little chip. And this is an element that's inside that actually receives an electromagnetic power surge from the scanner as it goes over the animal's back. And it helps activate that chip so it can transmit the data. It's kind of like, you know, an old-fashioned radio tuner. So the sound only comes out when that channel is tuned properly, and it's just waiting to hear that right channel of radio frequency. So if you're trying to listen to 99.1, but you're at 99.4, it might not pick up that that sound. So it's waiting to be basically poked um, by the correct frequency so that the chip can give out its information. And then there's this teeny tiny little coil of copper inside that's called an antenna coil. And that's what picks up that transmitted data from the scanner and broadcasts it back so that it can be read. And all of this, it's incredible, all of this is in a little tiny thing that's about the size of a grain of rice. And it's implanted surgically between your pet's shoulder blades. I think that's Really, really incredible that they've been able to get technology that teeny tiny. Um, they were actually in, uh, began having use in pets in 1985, and Hannah Stoddard uh, invented the use of microchips for um, pets. They were, had previous uses um, for other things before he did that. And he uh, formed the American Veterinary 
identification devices uh, company, which you might know better as Avid. In fact, it's one of the leaders in microchips that's out there. But there are a lot of different companies now that do microchips. And and in all honesty, that's kind of one of the things that um, has led to some difficulties with with microchips. And so, Tom, I'd love to talk with you about um, some of the pros and cons of microchips as you see it, because you're here in the industry um, and talking to people about it. What do you, let's talk about first, like, what are the really great things about microchips and why Aubrey Pet should have one? Sure. Um, um well, I, I think of my, my dogs and cats both have microchips, absolutely. Um, I look at it as a safety net because a collar or a tag could fall off of an animal and, and um, you know, then what do you do? So I love the fact that if my animal does go missing and he loses his collar uh, or tag, that if somebody, a good, uh, a good Samaritan takes him into a veterinarian or a shelter and they scan him, that... Uh, the odds are super high that he's going to get back to me. So right. that's that's one of the things I love about about that. And um, yeah, I guess that's the biggest thing. Yeah. So it's definitely the safety net part. Um, a lot of people uh, like the fact that it, it has that peace of mind that's there. It's something that can be yeah. relatively easily done um, in in a veterinarian uh, setting. So that's that's good. And um, but there's some there's some challenges with microchips, aren't there? Yeah, well, from my experience, certainly. Um, it depends on who you go with. Some of them have a, a monthly fee on it. Um, uh, some of them don't. Um, I think one of the biggest things, um, it's been a while since I've looked up the statistic, but I think it's around. It's right around 50% of the data on microchips is out of date. And it's out of date in a couple of ways. It's out of date either in that the person never activated it. They, you know, they got it from the vet. They took it home, put it on their desk, and promptly forgot about it as more papers piled up on top of it, um, which happened to me at first, I must admit, uh, but not since then. Um, and then the other thing is, is somebody can move and forget to update it because they don't remember which microchip they have because there's a bunch of them out there. There's Avid. There's Home Again. There's 24-hour or 24-pet or something like that. Or pet watch, yeah. Yeah, there's there's a bunch of them out there. Um, as a matter of fact, it's kind of scary. There's a lot of them that are growing out there. But anyway, we won't get into that. But um, it's just the fact that somebody could forget to update that information. And that actually has happened to me because I moved and I realized, oh, I never updated the information. I jumped on there, updated it. Uh, and they've been getting a little better about sending email reminders like quarterly to say, hey, check check your information. Um so right, yeah, and 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 I think, I think what um, when I, when I one of the things that frustrates me, I guess, is that so many people uh, get they get the microchip put in the pet at the time of adoption or when they've gone into the vet to get it done, and then it's kind of a set it and forget it right type of thing. And that what you just mentioned there, like about fifty percent of the data is is out of date or not properly registered, and and when you look at that that that's right there is a scary thing but you look at the statistics of one in three pets are going to go missing mm-hmm. studies show that 90 percent of them are getting home without ever having to have that microchip uh those that are getting home you know they're most of them are getting home because they're not having the microchip scan so people are like ah, i've got the microchip i don't need to worry about right. it it's done um but that sense of uh false sense of security i think is a really dangerous one yeah, I, I completely agree because um, I'll ask somebody, you know, uh, when we're talking about our product, when we're talking about PetUp's ID tags and collars, we'll say, you know, what do you think about this? And that'll be a common response by somebody. It's like, oh, I've got that microchip thingy. And then when I start asking them questions like, 
um, you know, have you updated it? Well, I haven't really looked at it in a while. You know, well, have you moved since you got your pet? Yeah, I guess I should go get that checked. You know, right. it's one of those things. It's almost like insurance where people don't really want it or think they don't need it until, oops, I need it. Right, exactly. Well, and then there's also the thing of, so they can't find the information about how to go register it or they right. can't, they don't remember how they were supposed to change it or who, what, what microchip company it is, or they might get charged right. uh, to change the information. So it, it, it becomes one of those things that uh, I won't bother. I, I want to bring up a, a, a really important thing though, that every pet parent uh, should do. Um, and that is to put your pet's microchip. Doesn't matter what company made the microchip. You need to put your, um, pest microchip onto a, a, a single registry. And there's actually quite a few uh, registries that are out there. There's one in particular that uh, that I like just because they make it really easy. And it's also something that's uh, attached to the uh, AHA uh, gold standard for veterinarians to look up microchips. And that is the found animals microchip registry. You can find that at foundanimals.org. Org. I'll make sure that that's on the Pet Lover Geek uh, website. But take a minute to go and register your pet's microchip there. And then that's an easy place that you can go and, and update information as you need to. Um, but that brings me to something else, Tom. I mentioned earlier when I was talking about, you know, the parts that go into a microchip. And it's that RFID chip that, to me, um, is the most wonderful, fabulous, cool thing and the most problematic thing about the microchip. Because my understanding is... That um, as new companies came out after those first microchips were invented, they began to uh, create proprietary frequencies. It's like there's four or five different radio stations that that tuner could tune into. And and, and how's that causing a problem? Well, you know, it makes me think of the uh, Betamax versus VHS, if you want to go way back, or Apple versus Microsoft, (laughs) you know, where... showing your age. (laughs) I mean, with, you know... Everybody wants to own everything and control it and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, microchip companies aren't any different. They want to, you know, have everything is proprietary and all that kind of stuff. So, as I understand it, um, uh, I'm more on the uh, on the uh, physical ID tag side of things. So, um, uh, but as I understand it on the embedded microchip kind of uh, side... There, I think there are like four different frequencies uh, that are used by different manufacturers. And I've actually heard tell that there are other ones that have come out as well as more people are trying to get in. are some of them encrypted? In. Yeah, they actually, that's the other thing is that, is that um, you know, radio frequency means it was just returning whatever the ID and phone number of the, of the, register, of the uh, microchip manufacturer so you could go look it up. But some of them got to the point of, hey, let's encrypt this so that you're forced to use our equipment or our software to be able to look this information up. And, um, and, and it, comes, it comes down to the bottom, you know, the almighty dollar, unfortunately. Right. And but, 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 but I don't want to be all doom and gloom and, 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 yeah. and poo-pawing on microchips because there is hope. No, I'm not poo-pawing them. I think <laughs> no. they're super important safety Yeah, net. but I, the, uh, the cool thing is, is that uh, companies like Found Animals actually um, are helping shelters and veterinarians get universal scanners that actually can pick up on all of those um, yeah. different frequencies. Yep, yep. Because it used to be they had to have a couple different scanners, um, but you know, you look at all these shelters and veterinarian offices, and um, 
they are usually underfunded, and uh, and so it's kind of expensive to have all these different types of scanners. So, fortunately, a few years ago, they started getting in these universal scanners that could read in, um, you know, the four prominent uh, manufacturers' ID tags. So, uh, so yeah, so that's a good thing. Um, but yeah, if you have a local shelter, please donate because they're always needing funding. Right. Yeah, definitely. For things like microchip scanners and all other sorts of things. And care and feeding of animals right. that they're trying to help. One more quick question, and we, we only have a couple, we only have about a minute left, but I want to ask you real quick. Tom, do microchips give you a GPS reading of where your pets can be found? <laughs> uh, not present day. I know they're looking at it, but um, it'd require a fairly large, substantial battery pack of some kind or, you know, figure out how to, I think they're doing stuff in the laboratories, but nothing's been rolled out right. into mainstream. It's kind of a loaded question. I actually wrote an entire blog post about I was going to say there's this great blog post about it on this <laughs> website called PetLoverGeek.com. Yeah. So it, it should be known that, that uh, no, your microchip is not a GPS device. Um, we're going to wrap up this segment here, Tom. Thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, in the next segment, we're going to talk to a gal who is uh, an expert at using social media to help lost pets get home. Please stick with us. We'll be right back with Pet Lover Geek. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. A wave of change is happening in our world now. A new feminine way of leadership is emerging. Yet this is not about women taking over. This rise of the feminine is helping men too. Join host Gina Lazenby, award-winning businesswoman, best-selling author, and speaker on feminine wisdom as she reports on the rise of the feminine with inspiring stories of women who are coming into their own and finding their unique purpose. Tune in and join this conversation in the rise of the feminine each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Conservation starts with us. Learn about environmental concerns each week when you tune in to Our Wild World with host Ellie Weiss. Our show centers on Africa each week and what's being done to save our wildlife, ecology, and ourselves. However, we'll also discuss what's going on closer to home. And most importantly, we'll let you know what can be done in our own backyards by featuring guest experts and featuring your questions and answers. Listen every Monday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific time 11 a.m eastern time on the voice america variety channel news opinion your voice counts call toll free 1-866-472-5787 1-866-472-5787 voiceamerica.com
This is Pet Lover Geek with Laurie and Clemens. If you'd like to connect with the show today, please call us at 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. Feeling shy? You can also send an email to PetLoverGeek at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Pet Lover Geek, folks. So glad to have you here geeking out with us about what we love the most, our fur kids. So today, as uh, you know, we're talking about lost pets and the techie things that we can use to help them get home fast if they happen to be missing. So I need you to imagine something for me, and it's not something that's going to be pleasant, um, but I need you to imagine that your pet's missing. For me, it's the stuff of nightmares, and it's really difficult to put myself in that place, but it's really important that we do put ourselves through these scenarios so that we can be best prepared. Okay, so you've got a powerful digital ID on your pet. You've had them microchipped. You've made sure that all the data that's connected to those is up to date. Now you're just going to sit back and relax, right? You're just going to sit back, wait for the Good Samaritan to call you because you know your pet's going to be found soon with those two identification pieces, right? Uh, No. So what you need to do is not sit back. Now is the time for action. And our next guest is going to share with us some of the really important things that you can do on social media to help your in your search for Fido and Fluffy and to help them get home even faster. Her name is Kathy Pawlowski. She is the co-founder and co-director of Lost Dogs of America. It was founded in 2012. And she leads a group of volunteers who provide no-cost resources to the owners of Lost Dogs that increase the chances of locating them and being successfully reunited with their dogs. So they also provide education for dog owners on preventing the lost pets, uh, the loss of their dogs. And the program also benefits local animal control and shelters by decreasing the number of owner strays that come into those animal shelters. So we're really happy to have Kathy on the show. Kathy, welcome. Thank you. I, I really uh, appreciate being asked to, to speak with you today. Fantastic. I want you to tell me a little bit about how the Lost Dogs of America project came about. Uh, What spurred you to action? Well, we actually started in Wisconsin in 2010. There was four of us women who knew a little bit of something about catching shy lost dogs. That's what where our, speci- uh, our, our specialty lay. And, um, you know, so being very naive, we thought, well, we can set up a Facebook page and we will help people that are missing their dogs. Uh, it, it quickly grew. We quickly realized that um, we needed more volunteers and we needed um, you know, more, we needed to spread the message further um, to to get to more people. Because really what we wanted to develop was not that we didn't want to individually help every person find their dog because that's logistically impossible, but we wanted to provide education so that if somebody's neighbor's dog goes missing, they may have some good ideas, you know, to help them. So that was our, our whole plan. So we now, we started with Lost Dogs Wisconsin. We then quickly branched into Illinois with Lost Dogs, Illinois, and then uh, a, a few years later, we decided that we were, uh, you know, successful enough that we wanted to, to spread the good ideas across the nation, and we started Lost Dogs of America. So now we have about 28 states under our umbrella. Wow, 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 wow. That is incredible. I'm so excited. And I, I, I personally, I, I think it's important that we get this in all 50 states, but um, so take us through, you, you know, you and your volunteers, you do a lot of different things, I know, but take us through the lost, typical lost pet situation, if there is such a thing that you guys help with. What, what's the behind the scenes play by play of what you do? 
so the first thing is that we get the people that come to us because we're, we're getting, a, you know, fairly well known in Wisconsin. So I'm just going to use a Wisconsin example. Um, so we, the people come to our Facebook page and, you know, are desperate. I mean, that's what we always find is that people are distraught. They're desperate. They're maybe not thinking quite right. So they come to their page and they want help. The first thing that we get them to do is to fill out a report with um, a centralized database that we use, which is called Helping Lost Pets. And that is in Canada and the U.S. Um, so, and that database is not only for dogs, it's for cats or rabbits or birds or horses or anything that goes missing. So it's really, uh, uh, it's a really useful tool. Um, once they file a report in that database that their pet is missing, that is automatically redirected to us. So if, if the dog is missing in Wisconsin, it comes to Lost Dogs of Wisconsin. If the dog is missing in Illinois, it's immediately directed to Lost Dogs of Illinois. Once we get that report in our hands, then we can really spring into action. So one of our, our volunteers that is a flyer maker, or we, have, we have several flyer makers, they will then get that um, post onto our Facebook page, and they will also email the owner several versions of the flyer so that, depending on, you know, they can they can save some money on uh, printing costs by making the flyer smaller, or they can print out the kind of flyer that has the little pull-off tabs on the bottom that they can hang in their grocery store, things like that. And then one of our volunteers then makes contact with that um that owner, and starts to try to help guide them through the process of what possibly could have happened to their dog. Um, again, not all these services are available in every state because um, we don't have the, the quantity of volunteers in every state that we would like to have. You know, we, we would love to offer that in every state. But at the very least, we can provide, um, by via email or by coming to our website, resources to help the owner really try to figure out what happened to their dog because the scenarios are, are numerous, as I'm sure you realize. Their dog could end up in a shelter, but it could end up hiding, you know, uh, for, for weeks or months um, and, uh, and not be seen. could go totally, not, totally nocturnal and not be seen. So mm-hmm. we try to help the owner work through some of that. Great. Well, and so a couple questions come to mind immediately uh, to kind of follow up on that. What, what's the website address that anybody can go to, even if they're not in Wisconsin? Uh, www.lostdogsofamerica.org. Perfect. Um, by the way, I'll make sure that that's on our uh, Pet Lover Geek Facebook page so that people listening to the show can go there quickly and reference it. And and and. Also, too, you, you know, you mentioned that, A, you're, you're not in all 50 states, and, and even some of the states that do have the program don't necessarily have enough volunteers to do all the different fabulous things that you could do for them. So, so let's say that somebody wants to volunteer. How, how do they do that? Well, that's a really great question, and we would love to have them. So, yes, we would. Um, we have a volunteer application um, on the website, also on our Lost Dogs of Wisconsin website, um, so in several places. Or you can always just send us an email to, to one of the Lost Dogs of America email addresses, and we will hook you up with the right director in the right state where you can oh, help. So, Great. And, and you know what, and Kathy, we'll make sure that that information, too, is on the um, Pet Lover Geek Facebook page so people can quickly get that information and then go back and reference it if they're listening to the show on down the line. Now, you know, 
You mentioned that pet parents, they're, they're in a world of hurt when the pet's missing. Um, I personally have, have only had that situation one time, and, and the little bugger came home on his own, all dirty, looking like he'd had a great time. But the four and a half hours that he was gone were the worst four and a half hours I've ever experienced, uh-huh. and I was beside myself. Uh, and this is actually before the, the invent of social media. But now that we have social media, it's such a powerful tool. I'm sure you see that there's a lot of mistakes being made or things that could be done differently by pet parents when they're trying to get their pet home with loss, uh, with social media. So what, what would you say are the biggest mistakes or the, the, the things that they miss out doing when they're using social media for helping to find their lost pet? Well, I would say the biggest mistake is, is kind of a little bit um, counterintuitive to what we were just talking about because the biggest mistake we see people make is they expect social media to find their dog for them. And... In our experience, the number one way that lost dogs are found is by printing out those flyers and hand-delivering them door-to-door in the area where the dog was last seen. So getting out and doing the legwork is is by far the most important thing. Now, so the low-tech version is actually getting yes, the best. It's actually the best, yes. Now, social media is great because you have then the opportunity to have what I call a happen chance reunion where somebody just happens to see the picture of your dog go floating by and they're thinking, oh my gosh, I just saw that dog. Um, or yeah. I, you know, I, I, I saw my neighbors walking that dog or, or whatever it may be. So, right. so social media is great for that. It, uh, but we do see people making the mistakes of um, they post to some local Facebook groups, which are great, or they post to their next door, next door is a website that is uh, very common now for neighborhoods, um, and, mm-hmm. and those things are all great tools, but they don't get that information into a centralized database. So right. those may help with the really quick reunions, but if the dog is missing more than a day or two, the dog, it, the, the dog or cat or whatever really needs to be entered into a centralized database. So that um, it is there because, as you know, Facebook feeds disappear quickly. You know, something goes down the page really quickly. And then um, so the people think that they're doing everything that they, they can do. And in reality, nobody's actually seeing their post anymore. Right. And Facebook has all of their fabulous algorithms that decide whether or not we think something is important and they may not decide that that's an important post, which is a big bummer, I know. Um, Hey, you know, you kind of lead in great to the next question I have is, so what's the future then of this? How, how how can social media hopefully help in the future? What would you, if you had the best of all possible things happening with social media and using it to help lost pets get home, what would it be? Uh, well, you know, uh, you talked about the algorithms. I would love <laughs> to see a way that Facebook showed, um, it could show specifically the people, people, the pets that were missing in the area, you know, um, on a regular basis. That would be really yeah. helpful. Um, right. We now have, like, Los Angeles, Wisconsin, because we're a 501c3, we now actually have a verified Facebook page, you know, that, that gives us a little check mark beside it, which apparently is supposed to make our posts appear in more people's um, Facebook feeds. But I, I, I do think being able to localize the posts would be mm-hmm. really helpful. Because right, Ge- geo-targeting um, yeah, is key. It yeah, kind of like white noise. And, and the hashtag... Thing on Facebook really has never seemed to ca- uh, caught on, or or it seems to work very well. So uh, you know, we 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 played with that for a while, but it really did not seem to be um, 
all that beneficial. The hashtags on Twitter, mind you, are very useful. So every post that we put out on Facebook is automatically retweeted on our Twitter account. So Mm -hmm. we do put the hashtags on Facebook just so that that carries over to our Twitter feed. Do you find that one is more effective than the other, that Facebook is more effective than Twitter or vice versa, or are they kind of a wash? I think Facebook is far more effective still, just because we get those those flyers, you know, the... I just think in, it, definitely in Wisconsin, uh, perhaps in some of the bigger cities, Chicago, Twitter is, is used more. But in Wisconsin, um, Facebook is by far reign supreme. Okay, awesome. Well, Kathy, thank you so much for joining us today. It was really terrific. I, I just want to wrap up by saying that, you know, for all pet parents, you need to go through this scenario before it actually happens. Have the pictures ready to go. Have the pet's description ready to go. Have your stuff already typed up and in a document so that you can quickly send them to places like Lost Dogs of America uh, to help your pets get home. Because in that moment when you've lost your pet, that is not the time to have to think through this stuff. And having that all ready to go is is going to be key. Kathy, thanks so much for joining us. And uh, we're going to get the information out there for everybody to help get you guys some more support and give more volunteers and also give people your very valuable resource okay thank you so much absolutely okay everyone thank you so much for for uh joining us for we got one more segment uh coming up in just a minute we're going to wrap up the show talk about what's coming up next with pet lover geek but for right now we're going to take a short break The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Tune in each week for Monica Phillips and powerful conversations. This is a thought-provoking show for business people, leaders, and entrepreneurs. We'll feature today's thought leaders and industry trendsetters from across several locations and industries. Give yourself permission to be inspired and live a fulfilling life. Be sure to listen to Powerful Conversations live every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. You count. Tune into Inner Revolutionary Radio and join the spontaneous wave of people all over the planet who, like you, are changing our world from the inside out. 
follow the movement, meet guests who are shaking things up, call in, and gain insights and courage to empower your own voice. Large or small, your part counts. So join us. Co-hosted by Beth Green and James Maynard, Inner Revolutionary Radio airs live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. This is Pet Lover Geek with Lorian Clemens. If you'd like to connect with the show today, please call us at 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. Feeling shy? You can also send an email to PetLoverGeek at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Well, thanks so much for spending time with us on this fabulous Saturday morning. I hope your pets are near you geeking out with us today. I know that we've got four that are roaming in the studios right now, which is kind of awesome. And we're talking today, you know, about lost pet recovery, lost pet prevention, keeping uh, our fur kids home and safe with us. And one thing I hope that's becoming really clear as you're listening today is that there's a lot of work left to be done to to help lost pets get home and to, to really uh, continue to find solutions. There's no one panacea that once and for all is going to solve this issue of uh, missing pets. At least there isn't yet uh, one. And I know that for me personally, it's been really frustrating as a pet parent and then spending the last six plus years uh, working in this industry that it always seems that there's all these new companies coming out, new organizations coming out. Uh, Kathy kind of alluded to this uh, in the last segment where, you know, there's a lot of different um, databases and a lot of different places out there. And it's hard for a pet parent to know, where do I go for help? Um, And so often it seems like a lot of these companies are just doing it for the money or just doing it for the data. And at the end of the day, they're somewhat losing sight of that we got to help these pets get home and stay safe. So that, I think that's frustrating to me. Um, I've asked Tom Arnold to stick around uh, and kind of talk about that because, Tom, you're in that industry. And what's your take on that? Well, yeah, we've we've run into that ourselves at Pet Hub. Um, we actually have uh, an open architecture where we can integrate with um, uh, partners as we find them. But you're right. The struggle's been that everybody wants to reinvent the wheel. They want to own own it, and um, it's really surprising to me because coming from Microsoft, Microsoft is all about you know trying to keep it open, make it easy for people to develop uh, software to work in Windows, and they give everybody the tools they need to do that for mobile apps, for desktop apps, things like that, and so. We came in with that attitude at Pet Hub, and we were surprised not to find that attitude in the pet space. And Mm -hmm. so you're right. Everybody's trying to create their own database, but then the pet owner goes, and they try to figure out, well, which one should I look for for registering my Where do I start? What do I do? Or for, you know, reporting my pet missing, that kind of thing. Right. Um, and so what do you think, you know, with all that in mind, what do you think, What if you had the best of all possible worlds, like I asked Kathy, what's the future? Um. Frankly, I think people just need to uh, be open to working together. Uh, we, we, if for example, Kathy, um, I need to speak with her and see if there's uh, an opportunity for us to share information back and forth when an animal's uh, actually during the break. I signed up on her website <laughs> for you. <laughs> so, so um, 
uh, I think the idea is that when an animal is reported missing in um, in our area, well, actually where I live, I want to know, but also in general, I mean, Pet Hub could pass on that same information sure. to other people that are in our database and who have opted in for, for getting those kinds of alerts. It's not that hard to do. I mean, we're we're software geeks at Pet Hub and we love coming up with cool new features and we love working with cool people who are like-minded. <coughs> Pardon me. Um, and what about other tech that might be out there in the future? Um, other tech as in... Um, Pardon me. You mean like as in like mobile apps or... Mobile apps, uh, NFC... Uh, GPS, like what? What else is out there? Bluetooth. What else is out there? Oh, that you I see. see. Is you know the future of pet identification. I know that there's a lot of things that are popping up on, you know, Indiegogo and Kickstarter. And, sure. And so we've actually see? dabbled in quite a bit of that ourselves because, um, and it's a little too early for some of it. Um, uh, for example, we came out with an NFC ID <laughs> tag about three years ago, and uh, the NFC. So for those of you not familiar with NFC, it stands for Near Field Communication. <laughs> And the idea of NFC is that you can actually take an NFC reader and tap it to the tag, and that will actually um, cause it. It's it's very much like an RFID tag um, that you have in your pet, except it's in a physical ID tag. And the reason we were looking into it was because the new Samsung phones came out with uh, an NFC reader on it. If you've seen those people where they tap the phone to another phone uh, to exchange information with each other, uh, in most cases they're using NFC um, uh, or radio frequencies to be able to do that. And so, anyway, uh, the NFC thing is one we played with. We also looked at Bluetooth, and we actually um, played with that. But the problem with Bluetooth is that... Um, it, it drops signals, it comes in and out, and it might alert you that an animal's gone away when it's actually still there. Awesome. I am so sorry. I don't know what happened to me. A frog jumped into my throat. You're, you're lucky that I'm long-winded. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate you covering there. <clears throat> so sorry, people. Anyway, well, listen, I wanted to throw one thing in. It is National Cat Day, and I forgot to mention that at the top of the show. So happy National Cat Day. I know, Tom, you have two cats yourself. I do. So it's a great day to celebrate them. Taz and Houdini. There you go. Please uh, send us pictures of them. We'd like to see them, especially if they're all geeked out in costumes. I want to give everybody a little heads up about what's coming up for Pet Lover Geek this month. In the month of November, we've got a lot of really fun stuff going on. We're going to be looking at geeky gifts for pets and pet parents. Holidays are just around the corner. I know everybody's looking for the fun, newest, cool thing. So we'll have a show um, where we talk about all that. We're also going to dig into tech for senior pets. November is Adopt a Senior Pet Month, so we're going to look into that. It's also uh, Pet Cancer Awareness Month, so we're going to look into some of the newest um, advances for cancer therapies. Uh, I had a little cancer scare myself with my old dog, Penny, so um, that's something that uh, we're going to talk about this month. We're also going to talk about tech in the shelter space. How are animal shelters changing the face of what they do to help pets get adopted and using technology to help that? And But the most exp- exciting episode for me this month 
is an episode about doggy DNA. Um, we're actually going to use Tom's dog, Uller, who, <sighs> you know, full disclosure, this is probably my favorite non-Boston Terrier dog He's on the planet. Awesome. He's a pretty awesome dog. But um, we are at, we actually tested him. There's a story on PetLoverGeek.com um, to, to kind of dig into his DNA and, and see what uh, – what he is because he's an amazing dog and a dog that I'm sure a ton of people would love to have as their own. So we want to know what makes up Uller. And as part of that, we're going to be doing a guess the mix contest and we're going to be giving away some fabulous prizes for those people who come the closest or even nail it as to what Uller is. So uh, we'll have information about that starting next week on our Facebook page, which is just go to Facebook and go to find Pet Lover Geek, or you can go to www.com, excuse me, www.petlover.com and we'll have a post there that's all about PetLoverGeek.com. PetLoverGeek. What did I say? PetLoverGeek.com. Petlover.com. Okay. PetLoverGeek.com. Sorry about that. And you'll have our guest, the mix contest. So please uh, check those out, enter the contest, and uh, we'll have a show for you later this month to go over that. Hey, it's been a great time talking with you today. Hope to see you back next Saturday morning for Pet Lover Geek. Go kiss your fur kids. Bye, everyone. you for tuning in this week for Pet Lover Geek. Please join your host Lorian Clemens for another edition next Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, go grab your best friend and take them out and enjoy the rest of your weekend.